Hey, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Caleb Stillians, and I'm an Alaskan hunting guide. You're listening to the Shields Podcast. Welcome to the Shields Outdoors Podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Shields Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Anderson, and today we are joined by professional Alaskan hunting guide and content creator, Caleb Stillians. If you're on Instagram, I strongly encourage you to follow him at Caleb Stillians because this dude goes on some serious adventures. Caleb, thank you for joining us today. Can you start out by introducing yourself, giving a little background information on how you got into hunting and how you became a guide in Alaska? Absolutely, Mr. Mike. So uh, my name is Caleb Stillians, guide up in Alaska. And kind of how that all came about is uh, from age two to age eight, I lived up in Alaska, me and my family did. And uh, I think the mountain bug bit me. Then I didn't do anything in the outdoors other than like play around like a normal kid does. But I moved back to Missouri at age eight, and that bug was still in me. Like, I love Missouri. I love the Midwest, but it's not the mountains. So uh, at age 18, I went back up to Alaska, started the what I would call the guiding journey because you have to go through several steps, and one is you got to become a packer. And a packer is the low man on the totem pole. You're at the very bottom. You do whatever job that no one else wants to do, that's your job. And I did that for you. And it's a, it's a guide apprentice is what it is. And then from there, you can get signed off on your uh, guide's license. And then that's the rest of this history. And that's uh, sitting here now. All right. Very cool. So I, I got a couple questions for you on that. So first of all, you know, I think okay. there's a lot of people that are interested in hunting, but don't really have anybody to like show them the ropes. You know, that's kind of the situation that you came from. Your your parents weren't really super into hunting, but you just, you kind of learned about it and had this hunger. Like what, what advice can you give to people that want to get started, but don't really have someone to mentor them? Yeah. So I'll tell a little bit of my story. So uh, no one showed me how to hunt. Uh, I had that desire young. And the advice that I would say to someone is just to go out and try it. So I started trying to kill something at probably age 11 and from age 11 to age 14 i didn't kill anything i can't tell you how many times i would whitetail hunting like non-stop but this is what i wanted to do i was going to keep trying to i figured it out and then age 14 15 i started harvesting animals and that led into continuing so if you don't have someone to show you the ropes it's okay, but be okay with failing often because each one of those failures, if you paid attention to what you did, that's going to get you one step closer to becoming great. And you can think of Michael Jordan. I'll use a sports analogy. This analogy gets used all the time. He got cut from the basketball team when he was in high school. Didn't stop him. He kept going, he kept going, he kept going, he kept going, and now he's one of the greatest players of all time. Same way with you listening to this podcast. Go to Shields. I'm sure they have resources on their website. Get a starting point, watch YouTube, watch the hunting channel, whatever you need to do. Get that tidbit of information wherever you can find it. It's out there. And then just go and fail. And then one day you're going to start succeeding. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good lesson for just anyone in general, not alone. Just you know, people that want to look get into hunting, but people want to better themselves, whether it's hunting, fishing, you know, anything. So that's that's great. So other question I had for you is in relation to like the hunting guide stuff. You know, getting into the the pack mule, as you said. So how many people actually like? keep that drive and move on or, or versus like, okay, this really isn't for me. From my experience, probably about 10%. A lot of people come up and do it. And depending on who you work for as a packer, it can be super miserable. I mean, you, you going out and you wet, cold, stinky for sometimes weeks on end and you packing 150 pound, 180 pound, moose quarters out of the out of the swamp so it sucks and it's kind of like it's like anything in life uh depending on how bad you want it is if is that the determines if you're going to succeed because the human body is super adaptable we are pretty strong animals when you think about it and if you put your mind to something you're going to accomplish anything and most people that come up there to try that don't actually want to do it. They think they want to do it because they think it's super romantic and there is romantic times. If you go to my Instagram, it's filled with a bunch of romantic times, but there was a lot of sucky times that went into (laughs) getting that, that so cool. Yeah. It's, it's all the behind the scenes grunt work and the hard stuff that, that doesn't make the page. I know there's, there's a lot of people like I got a lot of friends like, man, you got the coolest job in the world. You just get to talk about hunting and fishing all day, but it's like, Oh, I I don't post the behind the scenes stuff. Like 90% of my job, I can be like, I can take a picture in my email inbox instead. And they'd be like, okay, maybe it's not so good. (laughs) Well, that's it. Like uh, with, if everything, this is a song that I've been listening to. uh, I can't remember the artist's name, but it's a someday. I think it's the name of the song, but it goes, uh, it, the song starts out with like dreaming about all the things and all the good experiences they have someday, one day down the road. But then midway through the song is like I wake up and I realize that that someday, one day is right here. Like we choose to decide if we're going to enjoy this because every job, no matter what you do, whether it's killing doll sheep or brown bear in Alaska or being a, a barista at Starbucks, Every job has its moments where this sucks and every job has its moments where it's the most rewarding thing you can do. And it's picking that this one day, someday, that I'm going to make that today and I'm going to enjoy this and I'm going to do my best job at it. So I think that's, I think that's uh, good to look at whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All about that positive mental attitude. Yeah, I think you got to have it. If you don't, then life's going to beat you with a stick. <laughs> so. <laughs> 100%. So, all right, I got to ask, what is it like being just totally off the grid for that long? Um, I kind of like it, to be honest. It's a, it's a wild feeling because when you get dropped off on your hunt, and there'll be some times when you get to actually be all by yourself because you'll get the client tagged out and he'll fly out. And then it's just you waiting on, hopefully the airplane comes back. And, uh, you know, the first two weeks stink. Because the longest I've been out nonstop has been 28 days, no shower, um, eating the same freeze-dried food nonstop. Uh, and I killed, well, I guided five grizzly bears, one black bear, and one moose. And that spread. So I smelled pretty funny. And everyone had two pairs of pants the entire time. So uh, <laughs> it's funny. After about, after about week two, 
you stop thinking um, to yourself because you don't smell anything anymore. But tell you what, if you walked by someone, they would have liked you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. So do, do you like find rivers and creeks to like wash off or like what's what do you do there? Yeah, you're going to try to wipe down. Uh, so this particular spot, uh, we, you're in the rolling hills before it gets up in the big, big mountains. And we were hunting mainly bear and then we ended up shooting a moose. And there's little springs that you could drop down and get water on, but it's real cold. The river means you got to walk it was five miles down to the river through, and that's five miles of brush bucking once you drop off that ridge. The ridge is like kind of all connected. So it's like, we ain't going to the river. That would be. You know, five, five, people are like five miles is not very much, and I like I agree. I run, I run marathons, half marathons. Five miles is not that much until you put a wall of brush in front of you, and then all of a sudden, five miles is a long way. So, uh, yeah, you just kind of wipe down where you can, um, do the wipes, etc., and uh, make the most of it, and just know that you're gonna smell pretty bad, but you try to minimize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can vouch for that. Like I, I, I've never been to Alaska. I've always wanted to, but, um, you know, just doing some Western hunts, you know, like you're glass and then you look over that ridge top, and it's like, oh, it's really not that far away. It doesn't look crazy steep, like that many elevation changes, but you actually get down into thick, into the thick of it. And then it's like, oh, this is a lot nastier, a lot more terrain changes. And that, that two, three mile that it looks like turns into a a lot more than that. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, and it's it's wild how how rugged the mountains slash non was called non tamed areas. What's in the wild? You can start getting into brush and then the stones. Uh, up in Alaska, we have a thing called Devil's Club, and it's this plant that looks like a think of a Jurassic Park movie that comes up has a big leaf. And those uh, little tiny needles, little spikes that go all the way up on the leaves. So you walk through that stuff, they all break off in your skin and they fester. And it's uh, it's a nasty plant. So it's like you look at something like, I can get through that. And then you get going. It's like this plant's a way worse than, than what I expected. I'm sure it's the same where you're at. There's those type of plants that just eat you up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then the the worst for me around our area is like just these these little cacti. Like I I remember specifically one time where like I was out hunting mule deer and I saw this one on a side hill. So I was like, okay, I need to get down. I need to get low so they don't see me. And I set my hand right down on one of them suckers. And then I there was another one like it caught me on the side. And like, I jumped up so fast, like that deer saw me immediately and bolted. And I'm like, well, I got a cactus in my hand. I got one on my side and I was plucking that sucker out for like the next three weeks. So (laughs) yeah, it's just, you gotta, you gotta watch out. You gotta be aware of your surroundings, wherever you're at. Can you imagine like rolling down a hill? Of those cactus, oh, that'd be so bad. Yeah, I don't even want to, man. <laughs> so, um, going back to like, okay, so you spent like twenty eight straight days in the in the bush. How do you maintain your focus? You know, once it, once it starts turning into kind of a grind, like how do you, how do you keep that focus and that aggressive mentality when you're out there? Um, so it's I kind of do like a mind trick. Um, I reframe what is going on. So uh, a lot of people say embrace the suck. I kind of 
I, I, I flip it and I like, if this is, make this suck enjoyable. So it's like, okay, I'm out here for this long. I've gotten this many animals. Uh, I'm starting to stink. You can look at those as a negative or you can look at it as it as how many people alive can say they've done this and, and laugh about it. And just like, yeah, I do it all the time. Not very many. So it's like, that's how I kind of reframe it. It's like, cause if I make it a grind, it's going to be a grind. If I make it an experience, that's fun and something I can laugh about and stories I can tell, then all of a sudden it re reframes how I view it. So that's kind of how I do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. You know, it may- might be difficult at the time, but you know, it's one of those things that you're going to remember and you're going to talk about and you're going to tell stories on for the rest of your life. Oh yeah. No, it's like what, what we tell ourselves is what we believe typically. So it's like, if we tell it, Oh, this sucks. I hate this. You're probably going to hate it. If you tell yourself, this ain't too bad, having fun, meeting cool people, killing big animals, then uh, you'd be a lot more happy about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, What's your favorite animal to hunt or to guide up there? So it's a mixture of two animals, the doll sheep and then the, the brown bear or grizzly bear. They're different. They are the same subspecies, but they're different. I won't get into, into that. But uh, the brown bear is because when you go kill it, it's the most exciting adrenaline rush you have because you know if you mess up, that thing could get you because it could run off in the in the autos, and now you have to go and after it, is it actually dead? Can it get you? Yes. So you start having that adrenaline rush that we can't mess this up. Oh, no joke, we could get mauled. And uh, I've had two people that I know personally that's been mauled that were guides. It's like it can't happen. And then doll sheep is the entire hunt because you're walking in majestic country the entire time. You're moving, you're glassing, you're covering miles. It's beautiful. And then when you get a big ram on the ground and you can look at those growth wings that go around the annual line, count them and just like appreciate all the battle scars. Cause you know, the rams don't shed, like they're not like uh, antlered animals. They don't shed it. So that set of those horns that they've had, they've always had. So it's, it's cool to see it's life displayed on its head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you truly can't grasp the, the lifespan of one of those rams until you actually like hold it in your hand and see like, man, each of these rings tells a different story. And just the things that that animal has seen in its lifetime is, is pretty incredible. They're, they're definitely one of my bucket list hunts for sure. So, you know, question on actually hunting these animals, like when do you know when to go make a move versus like when to wait it out? It's all gut feeling. Uh, so you got to look at all the, the variables and each day there's a different variable. Maybe the wind's coming northeast and this ridge runs like this and we need to get him cured. But if we make that play, either the wind's going to bust him out or he's going to see us. So it, it really depends on taking in all the variables you have and then making an educated guess on what you should do moving forward. Um, so it's just, it's tough to say, uh, on that one. It's just all situation by situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, d- I just really enjoy giving difficult questions and seeing answers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it all, it all comes down to don't let them see you, smell you, or hear you. Those are the three points. If, if you are a new hunter, memorize those. Don't let them see you, smell you, or hear you. And those are the three principles that if you never violate, you will kill big animals. 
and you're going to violate them, but minimizing that is what's going to make you a good hunter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's some great, that's some great advice there. Um, do you spend a lot of time like reading body language of the animals or do you spend a, a little more time like focusing on external factors like wind and, and things like that? I, I would say uh, it's both because you're trying to figure out what that animal really – you're trying to figure out where it's going. Because one thing if you're doing spot and stalk hunting out west is that you don't go where the animal is. You go to where it's going if you happen to plant a stalk. So there's a lot of like body language worlds. Is it going to stay there? Is it, is it saying that? Then, okay, I need to make a plan on to go to where it's at to kill it. But if it's spider languages, it's going to move that way. Then you got to make, and then why you read where it's moving, then you need to read what the, what the ground's doing, where you think it's moving. Because in the animal, typically animals pick the path of least resistance. It's just what animals do, typically, not always. So you look at the animal, you look at path of least resistance, and then you make your guess on where you're going to go to intersect that animal to, to put it down. So I'd say both. You, you got to do both. You can't do one or the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> so for, for someone that's interested in doing an Alaskan style hunt, what sort of recommendations do you have for them and how do they go about the process? Yep. So uh, I would say resource gear. I have gear lists on my website. Uh, you want to you wanna make sure that your expectations are are set right uh, a lot of some people i see will go up there like okay we're gonna see 20 we gotta see 20 caribou a day uh et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. you need to go up there if you're gonna go on a hunt you're going up there to hunt so leave your expectations behind because that 10 day period so say it's 10 days is gonna unfold the only way that 10 day period can and if you come up there expecting a b c d e it's it's not gonna be it's kinda like with a relationship. If you if you have come into a relationship expecting these expectations and then each time they're not met, you're disappointed, then that relationship's gonna be a lot harder versus if you go into that givenly and you both are given instead of like knit knack and a charter. So that would be one is have the right expectations. Don't go in there thinking that it's gonna be uh our roses and sunshines 24-7. Right gear. I'm actually launching a, a, a company called Outfitter Services that's going to help you be able to find find the right hunt for you up in Alaska or anywhere. So I would recommend checking that out. And then, uh, yeah, just get in there. Just get in shape depending on what hunt you're doing. If you're doing a, a doll sheep hunt, spend the time getting your ankles any mountain hunt spend the time getting your ankles strengthened that's a that's a muscle that a lot of people know but when you're in the mountains you're doing a lot of side healing so that means you're you need to be able to support your body weight with your ankle because that's a pivot point and if you're walking on something like this only the side of your boot is cut into that mountain so being able to keep your foot straight is huge a lot of guys will start letting their ankles weaken which it's not their fault they just didn't train it and it will start doing this. It will start trying to flatten out on the ground because it's not strong. And then causes them to sprain the ankle. So if you're doing a mountain hunt, strengthen your ankles. Uh, 
yeah, so I'll kind of get, let you give me another question because I'm kind of bouncing all over the place right there. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's it's interesting kind of diving into that. And, you know, not a lot of people focus on, like, your ankle support, and it makes a ton of sense, too, and it makes me really thankful for my upbringing because, you know, I spent I spent my summers in a town of, like, 200 people with, like, zero things to do, so me and my brother would, like, rollerblade around all the time and jump off sidewalks and whatnot, and I watched the X games and pretended to be like one of those trick skaters. So then my ankles got like really strong and, and they have been basically my whole life. So it's a, uh, it's good to hear that. It was like, Oh, I did a little preemptive work. So now I'm ready for Alaska. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. You need to get your butt up there. I do. It's Let's like go. I said, it's been on my bucket list, but man, the songs aren't cheap. You know, they're definitely not cheap. Oh, got a, got a, in, in invest and you know save up some money a little bit but yeah it's it's definitely be something i want to do i'd love to do the caribou migration i'd love to shoot a shoot a big old bear definitely want to get a moose too so yeah it's Mm -hmm. it'll happen sometime so i'll be i'll be hitting you up oh heck yeah (laughs) so do you have uh you have a most memorable hunt up there well, that's tough. Um, there's there's a lot of them that are very memorable. I'm going to say uh, my last sheep. So I just killed a sheep for myself. Um, I don't hunt for myself that often because I'm usually busy taking guys out. Uh, but I had some time to go out and hunt my own sheep and killed a beautiful, beautiful ram. It's going to make buck. It was a big one. So uh, that was that was very memorable. So it was, it was fun to get done. And then on taking a an individual out hunting. I don't know, so many of them. There, there was one that was super funny. I'll just pick pick one because there's a lot of them. Uh, there was this guy, his name was Pete, and we're going up this mountain, and it's this mountain, this ridge we go up, it's called Misery Ridge, and it's this, it's a butt kicker. The entire way up, it's just wants to beat you up, kill you, spit you out. So we're going up at, uh, the light and the mood, I started coming up with, like, a little song. I was like, Billy Goat, Billy Goat, what's my name? And then I kind of, like, would say that back and forth for a while to kind of get our mind off of getting beat up so bad. And then it morphed into Billy Goat, Billy Goat, what's my name? I'm about to put a bullet in your brain. Shoot him <laughs> up, shoot him up, now you're dead. And then that's where I stopped that because then we made it up above bow tree light and it was time to start hunting uh so what that leads into is this gentleman uh we get up on this billy goat about 280 yards away he shoots it good shot lungs think about goats they are so tough it's it's ridiculous they're probably the toughest animal next to a bear them and a bear are the two toughest animals it's insane how how tough they are so hits him solid lunged him double lunged him well, with a goat, you got to keep shooting them because if there's a cliff nearby, they'll just run off and jump off of it. It's, <laughs> it's the weirdest thing ever. It's like, shoot him again, shoot him again. So he's on him, and I'm like, wait for a good shot, wait for a good shot, and you're boom, bang. No kidding. He shot this goat on the second shot between the eyes. <laughs> I don't know how he did it. So it's like, that's always a funny story because it's like, I don't know if that song put that in his subconscious, and he's like, "Hey, bang! What happened?" <laughs> he felt so bad. It hit it here, blew one of its horns off. We were able to find the horn by some miracle. I don't know how we found the horn. Uh, and then 
I, I can send you the photo after this podcast is done, but he's got this photo. He's got this big old grin on. And if you look real closely, you can see how the horn's not exactly straight because we plugged it back into his head. <laughs> That's crazy. Just to cut that, that is awesome. You know, just coming up with that song, you know, just kind of get you, get you up to where you're going and keep that mentality and then to actually like make it happen. That's, that's a good one right there. I like that. Um, have you had any experiences where you weren't sure you were going to make it off the mountain? Um, not really on the mountain. You know, there's a few times where you, you know, you're walking back in the dark and that's scary. Uh, but never, if I'm like, I've never had anything on the mountain where I thought I was going to die. I've always usually done a good job managing all the variables. You know, sometimes you walk, walk back into your camp at four o'clock in the morning, soaking wet, but it's like, this is part of it. I don't, I don't get lost. Like now I'm going to knock on wood just in case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the close calls have come in the ocean and then in an airplane. Because at those two things, it's you do what you can do, and then if you're gonna, if it's gonna take you, it's gonna take you. Well, on the on the mountain, it just has a happen. So close call would be, uh, I'm in a boat. Uh, I'm taking a boat from where do you go to Kodiak? We stopped in Kodiak, and this is a 72 foot boat. And from Kodiak, we're gonna take it around to Kupanoff Strait, which is a very dangerous part of the ocean. It's a uh, the Pacific, and then you go through the False Pass, and then you go up the Barren side and you take it to Bristol Bay. And I was hoping a guy take his boat around. And uh, so coming through Coopanoff Strait, we get into some serious swells. The wind picks up, um, and in this area, there's no places to really go anchor up and dock. You just kind of like crap. The storm came out of nowhere, and I remember being in this big boat, and I'm in the, I'm one captaining the boat at that moment. And I'm up, up pretty high, and then above it, you have the crow's nest, which is way up there. And I'll send you a picture of this boat after we off this podcast, too. And <laughs> you're going along, and you go down, and then the next swell, and it, Grant, put it in context, probably about 30 feet up ballpark, maybe a little bit less than that. Um, I'll have to measure it out, but you're high up. So when you see the next swell that's coming and you got to look up to see the top of it and you lose the horizon, it's pretty scary. And then you come up and I got some videos of in that boat and that storm getting through it where, uh, yeah, like I said, the, the swells are coming up high and then you come off that, get up to the top of the swell. And then sometimes the ocean will put swells, stack them on top of each other. So as you come down off one, your, your bow is kind of up in the air. And then the next swell will come, and then it'll slap into the next one. And I got videos of this it's a big boat of it slapping the next swell, and then everything just goes water. And that crow's nest that's way up there, that crow's nest, not exaggerating, it's probably 35, 40 feet up in the air. Like, I'll, I'll send you a photo. And that water's going over top of that, and you're like, uh, we're gonna die. I guess it's gonna be today. I don't know. So oh that's, man, the ocean's scary. scary. So yeah, that's rough. And that that would be one of that would be one of my fears up there too. Because I always feel like you know when I'm in the woods, it, there's things you can control, you know. But like on the plane or in the boat, it's like you are just straight at mercy of like Mother Nature and other factors right now. And it's like, well. Hopefully we can hang on here. We'll see what happens. Oh, that's just got to be a crazy it, feeling. 
and it's an extended period of time. So I've had bears come try to get me before. It's just part of what you do. If you have to track the wounded one, that's when most of the times it happens. And very rarely, but sometimes you have one that's not wounded, like just come, it was down, charge at you. And even that, it's like in the moment, I, I don't really lose my composure. I just deal with the situation. And then afterwards, you feel a little bit of a genuine. But why it's going on, it's just like, stone cold solid but when you're in a boat and you're just sitting there and it's like it's been going on for an hour and a half now and you're like oh is this next one going to be the one that gets us because as you're doing this you're rocking like a son of a gun too and you're just like oh crap and then i remember uh we were taking on water for a little bit during this thing and having to go out because uh what happened is one of the like there's a door that was for uh it was like to get in the walk on some of the electrical stuff on the side of the boat and the waves were coming in. Whoever sealed that didn't do a very good job sealing it. So I remember going out, uh, putting on my rain gear and just holding on as tight as I can with one hand and then trying to figure out how to get this thing from leaking water with the auto and just like being sh- like shaked around like a rag doll. like, I got to, and you, you just fall from the side of the boat and you just look at that water and if you go in, you're dead. Because one thing is like Alaska's water temperature in this area is in the summertime usually hovers around 40 degrees. So you go in, you probably got five to 10 minutes and then you hypothermia and you're gone. So just like looking at that water and understanding that all it takes is to slip off and go in, game over. It's, it's, it's done. So that's exciting <laughs> yeah your your career choice is definitely not for the faint of heart we'll just say that it's a lot of fun if like don't ever let don't let these stories scare you away from it because it's like alaska's is beautiful you just got to be very smart and uh like on that the guy that was ultimately in charge i won't say his name because he was kind of an idiot uh <laughs> we should have we should have picked a different window but I'm, I was 20 at that time, and looking back, I would have been like, no, we need, because you could see it coming on the radar. Oh, I think we can make it. Looking now, if I was in that same situation, it's like, no, Nimrod, you're going to take this boat by yourself, or we're going to wait. Uh, but you, you learn as you live. So Yeah, yeah you, you just, sometimes you got to learn the hard way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I just don't die on in the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So what's, uh, what's your goal with all of this? Like your guiding and, and the content you're creating. What's, what's kind of your end game? Yeah. So with rise up, uh, that's the content side of things where that came from is, uh, at high school. So I was homeschooled for a long time and I had a job. And then I went to high school junior and senior year because I wanted to, to become a Navy SEAL. And to do to be able to be qualified, I needed to have a high school diploma, et cetera. So that's what led me into going to public school. And uh, I remember going and taking the ACT my junior year, hearing the, the other kids in my class aim for what they had like the bare minimum to get into the school they wanted. So if they wanted to go to Missouri State, they needed a 21. If they wanted to go here, they needed a 18, 19, whatever it was. And I remember how like weird that was in my mind. That, like you shooting, isn't the perfect score a 36? Shouldn't you shoot for a 36? And then wherever the cards lay, the wherever the cards lay, like you just shoot for the best and then whatever happens, happens. 
And uh, so that was kind of well, the, the idea of noticing that the normal mindset is not to be the best you can be. It's just to be whatever average is. What, what's the bare minimum I can get to get by? So then I went up to Alaska, started that whole journey, and then I was learning all these incredible life lessons through through this getting beat up and th- put through the angle. And I was like, how do I share these? Like, and then I'll come back home, and the people that were my same age, I've even I've even grown like not. I'm not saying this in an ego driven way, but how I have learned to think and how they were still thinking was very juvenile. So it's like it, it's I, I was a little bit ahead of a curve, I guess I should say. So where Rise Up came is how do I take these lessons and experience of morning from these lessons on the mountain, let's call them, and share them with other people. So that's where Rise Up come, came from. And the goal with that is to continue to do that. On the guiding, uh, I usually just take people now um, that I, I really enjoy uh, hunting with. So I'm pretty selective on that. And then uh, now I've started two other businesses. Um, one's Tappity, uh, and that's a management company. And we work with like O'Reilly Auto Parts to help manage our store locations. And then the other one's Outfitter Services. And that's, uh, like I said, it's going to be a platform where Joe in Florida wants to go on a moose hunt. He can go on there on Outfitter Services and find the right guide for him. Or if Sam from California wants to go on a South African hunt. He can go do the same thing, kind of connecting that, being that platform that lines those those dots up for people. Very cool. So is that platform launched or is it still work in progress? It's going to launch within the month. I don't know when this uh, this podcast airs, but within the month, it's it's going to be up and live. It's uh, we're going through the final stages of the development, and it's it's going to be good to go. Okay, so well, we'll we'll put the link in the description of this podcast. So if somebody if somebody watches it, it's not quite live yet. They might have to wait a little bit. But if they, you know, come back or if they listen to it a week after it drops, then it'll be there. That's awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I appreciate this time here, you know, thank you for the, for your insight and your stories and, and, you know, sharing those adventures. So just, do you want to go through like where you host most of your content, where people can stay up to date with uh, what's going on with Caleb? Yeah, absolutely. If you go look up my Instagram, it's a first name, last name. So Caleb, C-A-L-E-B, still in is S-T-I-L-L-I-A-N-S. And if you want to go watch the content on YouTube, uh, just Google that same name and it'll pop up all the stuff. And it's going to be on Cogman TV. Uh, it's a website. So just, just Google my name and it's going to pop everything up. I do a pretty good job of tagging everything on that. So if you just type that one thing in, you should be able to find everything. All right. Perfect. Well, thanks again for spending your time with us and, you know, best of luck with all your future endeavors. Thank you. So I appreciate everyone that listened to. You just heard our conversation with Alaskan hunting guide and content creator, Caleb Stillians. If you're thinking about going on a hunt next year, now's the time to start planning and getting your ducks in a row. Application periods will be opening up, and if you've never been on a destination hunting trip, there is no time like the present. And with that, we'd like to thank you all for listening, and see you next time. 
Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.